We're having technical issues because one of Troy's staff took away his cable. Anyway, this ends brought me down a little bit last night. I had a bad sleep as a result. And I'm a little bit testy, but I'm really looking forward to this episode, to be honest. I was very, very negative on it at the beginning when we were going to do yet another Winners and Losers. I like to bring you guys up. I like to be the yes and person, um, but I didn't like the idea. But in the end, I loved it. <laughs> Can't wait. This is going to be a great one. We're going to try something new this week. It is the last legally permissible day to do one of these year ahead winners and losers kinds of podcasts. It's, Troy hates the idea, but he's, he's begrudgingly gone along with it. So um, we'll see how it goes. Troy, I actually want to start with you because you don't like the idea. Give me a winner for this year and be conceptual. <laughs> you know, I got, I got a little bit of a thing here. So I, I, wrote, I just got home. I was on the subway and I wrote it out. So I, I have some thoughts on this. And, and, and I would say that the big qualifier here is it is conceptual. Alex wanted a single company. I refuse to do that and, or an individual. And it really is obviously the thesis of rebooting the things I'm going to talk about and a lot of things that we've talked about in the past. Uh, I was at a board meeting yesterday and I, and I thought maybe I'd cheat on this exercise. So I asked someone who's pretty smart. I said, well, you know, what are the winners and losers of 23? And he didn't give me an answer. And he made a point, which is kind of where I was going is I think the big question is what models work now. And that's the real challenge across media. It's like, we don't, we don't have the new model. We're between and betwixt the models. And so, you know, the other thing is obviously you want to look at macro trends and see, you know, what, what kind of vectors in the economy, society, culture are affecting the things that are around us, media in particular. So I started thinking about it. You know, obviously AI is a big thing. You or Alex will probably talk about that. I'll give you that one. I don't want it. Um, efficiency in all things, you know, driven by AI and others. Interesting. The waning power of horizontal platforms is probably a theme. Consumer data rights is an ongoing theme. You know, everything performance media uh, and data sets. And then there's a bunch of soft stuff like I think travel and food and, you know, niche everything and local. Local's important. And themes and dogs. What do you do with all the dogs from COVID? There's so many dogs in my neighborhood. Oh my God, we have a dog problem. Anyway, that's not, yeah. that's, that's, a, Brooke, that's a, a Brooklyn thing. problem. Yeah. So let's detour. And, and where, where I, I was thinking about this, I was like, I have this thing I would call the racket theory and it's all businesses are rackets. All good businesses are great rackets, right? So what does that mean? You look to get scale and scale gives you market power so that you can find nonlinear margins. Those nonlinear margins are things that I would call rackets. And they are things like a $30 adapter for an iPhone, um, car repair at the BMW dealer, uh, popcorn at a movie, credit card fees. You get it, right? Stuff that people rip you off on because you're in a system or because they have distribution dominance or because you own part of their ecosystem. And those are rackets, right? And so... For a long time, and, and rackets are fine, they just disappear and they get replaced by other rackets. And media has been a racket for a long time. And, and so what I mean by that is that, let's go through just a couple magazines, had inflated rate bases driven by subsidized subscribers and subscriptions and bullshit. 
They had dollar subs with auto renew cable, you know, that was literally the best business model in media of all times, just kind of poured profits. A few people watched a lot of the channels, but they made huge amounts of money anyway. Newspapers were local monopolies, really a wonderful racket. More recently, we had gross hacking, fake unique, even FEOs kind of a racket, slideshows that produced tons of ad impressions, ad refresh, racket, 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 racket. Okay. And so new rackets will be found, but this is a day of reckoning. And so then I thought, let me put this into perspective. You're going to love this. Okay. It's good media is worth a lot. And I thought about how I explained it to my kids. Okay. We have trained the world to think about $2 CPMs. That's what social media did. That's what digital media did. And, uh, let's say I write a little missive on the future media. It's a thousand words and you pay me a thousand bucks. Me pay me a thousand bucks for a little document I gave you and you alone. And that's a million dollar CPM, right? Because it's a thousand times a thousand million dollars. And it's a good way to think of it because if I gave it to a thousand people, it's still a thousand dollar CPM if they read it and paid for it or somebody paid for it, right? So good media is worth a lot. Most is noise and UGC, UGC largely made it so. There's noise and there's really valuable media. And we've educated the market on false metrics, media metrics. So too many people think it's $2 CPMs. And now what's happening is on the consumer side, we've shifted a model that you can pay for what you want to watch. And it destroyed the most valuable media bundle of all time, the cable bundle. And so it washes out all the profits and streaming wars, absolutely a scale business and a war of attrition. And it's, there's, you know, there's way fewer profits yeah. or smaller profits. So the whole thing pushes Obviously, it pushes the economics of advertising to performance because there's so much media, it's the only way to sort through it. And then on the other end, you have wildly valuable media, the million-dollar CPM media on the high end that really, really touches and engages and influences people. So you've got performance, high-end media, and cheap chatter. Cheap chatter is like the worst impression in the world is a Twitter impression. It's like almost worth nothing, as you discovered last week. So the winner in 2023 is getting real. Right. And in the old battle, it was platforms versus people and the platforms won. You might even say it was platform versus media brands and the platform won. And this time, you know, I think it flips. So real media supported by real media economics, the people behind it win. In order to do it, you have to get the cost structure right. You have to be lean as shit, as we've said many times. You have to make great products, as Alex always reminds us. And then the streamers that win are just scaled. So I'm going to list the companies and I'm going to give you the mic. I'm going to actually promote my book here, as they say on all the all-in podcasts. So some are my books, some are not. But like services like the information, they win because they're good. And, you know, the LTV of the audience is very high. And I'm an investor in a company called Drug Hunter that sells $1,200 subscriptions to scientists and chemists. And it's working extremely well. Services, I think, like Strategery that have done a really good job of like notifications, you know, high value content, et cetera, punch bowls, wait, even wait, the stratechery. I got to come in. Yeah. Sure. Teacher is what George W. Bush said and people made fun of him for it. Right. I, I want to protect you. Stratechery. Okay. okay. The FT, maybe even Semaphore qualifies. Maybe. Because I actually think their email product is really good, even though, you know. Their I'm video no product, you were on that. Their video product is good. I'm of mixed feelings, but really? I, you know, it's, 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 no, no, no. I think it's a hard fight for Semaphore, but I think their email products are really terrific. Um, so high value customer, real brands, real engagement tends to be small. 
largely community-driven new model, people as the platform, right? The people and the platform. So there's some platforms that win inside of this, okay? And what it is, is like platforms like Substack, I think are really on a growth trajectory and they're the antithesis of the old platforms. They build communities around voices and around very narrow subject matter interests. And then even another one that's also that I'm involved in called Medallion, which is Substack for artists and fan communities. And so it's the same thing. I, Brian, you're laughing. Don't laugh. Well, no, I am um, glad. I'm glad you put the disclaimer. Well, uh, yeah. Talking and, in the book. And so th that's, that's, those are some of the ones I think. So yeah, everything from like quality product, like the FT that serves a narrow audience at a high price to the information, to drug hunter, to milk street is a great example because it serves the community in a very specific way. And, uh, that kind of media has got a long, a long, uh, a promising road ahead of it. And, you know, the, the qualifiers are all the ones that we've talked about that they're raised on real humans, real engagement, low cost. And, and, and very, very serviceable niches. And um, I kind of have a weird loser. The loser is obviously- Wait, no, 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 no. We're going, we're, we're, we're not going, we're, we're going in a different we're, direction. We're going to okay, each do winners and we'll go into losers. Losers are the second half. Okay. All right. So that's, that's my submission for this week, Brian. Thank you for giving me the floor. Jesus Christ. That was like a little Fidel Castro there. We're up to like 10 minutes, Alex. Now it's time for us to jump in. Um. <laughs> But some really great points. And I think like, let me go from the racket point because like this actually came up in a meeting I had. I, I went to Brooklyn. It was the first time I've been to Brooklyn in a few months and, and <laughs> met up with uh, an executive there. Um, and hmm. we, we were what talking- What executives live in Brooklyn? We were talking about rackets. All of and them. we were talking about, and actually this is one of my biggest losers. Whatever, we'll go into my loser then maybe. And no, it was no, actually- no, 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 no. Okay. Well, one of the the racket that was brought up was Google. It's just the ultimate racket, right? And like, it's a mafia racket and nobody says it because everyone's scared of Google and like, I'll never get an advertising deal apparently now out of Google, but that's fine. Um, and because they set up and they control the highway and they just, the only business model that seems to have been durable in digital media has been basically having a parking lot. A friend of mine in college, he used to work at parking lots during the summer. And when you own a parking lot, it's just awesome. It's all cash. You can like cheat on your taxes. And all you have to do is make sure that the kids like taking the money don't steal too much money from you. And it's great business. And Google basically is doing the same thing. And what I find interesting with Google, and I think this is going to end uh, this year, is just like conceptually, the fact that they control every single side. They control the buy side, the sell side. They control the marketplace. And they're one of the biggest participants in the marketplace. In what market would this ever, ever make sense? Like it does not make sense in any other market. And I think that'll have to come to a close this year. Um, I do think new rackets are going to appear. I'm just, I'm interested in what the new rackets are going to be. Yeah, I wonder, do you think there's, it's funny, I feel that there's like a, a sentiment on the internet that everything sucks, interfaces are getting worse, even, you know, Apple TV's interface now feels like a racket because they're mostly advertising stuff, their shows to you, right, where it started like, this is the best TV interface because it's it's easy to use and it's beautiful, but now it just feels like a giant ad for everything. I wonder if... Uh, tolerance is waning for that type of stuff and a lot of the stuff that you've mentioned Troy are just stuff that are good they're good they're individual they're rare there's not a 
15 versions of them. And maybe people are just willing to create really good things that aren't at a huge scale, right? Maybe scale is also a problem because the second you start scaling something, it kind of becomes shit, doesn't it? Can something like the information or drug hunter be amazing at scale, whatever that means? No, I think those are by definition niche. I think where scale does matter is when you're fighting to get a consumer against a bundle of entertainment. Then to me, scale, the consumer is going to buy scale every time. So that that's the Netflix thing. And I think Netflix is going to do just fine as a result. But what, one thing I am delighted about is that you guys uh, seem to respond favorably to my, my submission this week. Oh, no, my submission is, is completely complimentary to yours, in fact. No, that's terrific. Yeah. I mean, Mine's got nothing planet. to do with it. <laughs> okay. Can we, should we do your, should we build on mine then with yours? Yeah, yeah let's, let's, let's build in. Cause I think like the, mine is actually the ingredient function of what you're saying, I think. And that's like, and this might be a little bit obvious, but it's a talent, right? And I think when we go into this period of hyper-efficiency, we see the cuts going on at a lot of companies and that those cuts are coming to publishing companies probably by the time this podcast comes out that's inevitable you know everything is downstream of something else but i think what you're seeing and what you're talking about is when you shift from uh rackets to the quote-unquote real is you have to have like incredibly talented people who you know in their in their particular areas that have outsized influence and can cover a ton of ground because that covers off on a lot of the efficiency problems. Like a lot of media is stuffed with mediocrity in a lot of different ways because the ma machine needs to get fed. Like SEO content needs to be fed into these machines. These machines need constant feeding. And when that becomes devalued, then those people become like a real like cost center, don't they? And, you know, ultimately I think what, in my thesis of like, a future for sustainable media is it's going to be a lot smaller and it's going to have to be very lean and very efficient. But that if you have really talented people, they can be the, the proverbial 20X engineer and cover a lot of grounds. And you don't need as many people as the previous models needed. Now, I would only add the caveat is, and this always kind of was a, in the back of my mind when I thought about your business, Brian, is we just need to get more realistic about the million dollar CPM thing. It's like, I know that there's a constant push for leads in your world. MQLs, that's what we call them. What does that stand for? Um, Marketing qualified leads. Yeah. Fun. And I think that getting inside of someone's brain, particularly a decision maker, someone's senior, or actually in your case where you have, you know, thousands of subscribers on your newsletter to really start to change sentiment in a vertical business category is worth a lot of money. And I just think that, that to some extent that media needs to be revalued because we're so, you listen, you know, I, we've been messing around. I've been buying media on Twitter just to really understand it better. And it's just, it, it farting in the wind. It's, it's like, you know, in and out of, out of your view with very little impact. So I, I think that this kind of re reevaluation of what media value is is a very important complement to what you're talking about. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, complementing both your points, my question remains, can you build something around both of those winners that you've picked that is at the scale 
that the tech and media industry seems to want to kind of base their success metrics on? Or are all these like, is it a million small things or is it a thousand big things? Or is it a mix? Does that make sense? Like maybe scale is like overrated. Yeah, no, I think scale scale is the problem because it's generally, unless like I, I take your point in streaming and entertainment and stuff, but usually scale is in opposition to to quality it's like quantity or quality like choose one i know like they've got those like amazon trucks i used to see in miami that was like you can have it fast or cheap or you can have amazon you can have it both um but maybe it works for maybe scale works i mean scale obviously works for logistics and commerce the question is will it does it work for for media because i also you know we are saying netflix will be fine but i think netflix also suffers the scale problem where their stuff is becoming less and less interesting and more data-driven. Wait, isn't Netflix like poised for a comeback here? Look, I'm always kind of framing myself around the quality of the product. And I think Netflix product and and the way people talk about Netflix has really deteriorated. Netflix is caught in this loop now where nobody trusts a show to stick around more than a season. And they keep seeing first seasons that have low audience because nobody keeps trusting that they're going to have a second season. And they, oh, they've yeah. canceled like 90 shows, you know? So, but we're not talking about Netflix. I think, yeah, media at scale. So is it going to just be small, medium companies and big platforms? Is that is that the future, you see? Because that's what it sounds like to me, listening to both yeah. of them. I think yeah. it's going to be small, like super focused. And then there's going to be a lot. There's going to be like tons of people who are like shoveling things into the algorithms. Some professional, some not professional, some somewhere in between. Troy, what do you think our CPM, what do you think this podcast's CPM should be? What do you think we deserve? $1,000. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That will pay for these microphones. $1,000 CPM. <laughs> I think we might even need higher than that. Yeah. I mean, look, well, we're going to get some more. Well, well, no, this is a problem. So, like, uh, let, let's actually talk about that because, like, I'd like to sell some ads. But, like, the um, the problem with podcasting and a lot of these these areas that you have a depth of connection is that the CPM itself is the problem in that it incentivizes, everything is incentives, and it incentivizes, incentivizes fleeting impressions it's literally an impression it doesn't matter the idea that like you can like do arbitrage through content rec networks and get that impression very easily and why would you want to earn it like you 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 can actually buy it and it's more regular you like it makes more sense to actually take you're incentivizing the rackets at the end of the day i think the cpm incentivizes a ton of rackets Mm-hmm. performance incentivizes a ton of rackets. Like we talk about MQLs, like in my business, I've got like 13,200 people on my uh, list and like they're CEOs and they have like 84% open rates, not all 13,000, but you know, they're, they're top executives at media companies that actually read, they write me back and stuff like this, but I'm going out there and competing with people who have, you know, 200,000 people on an email list. Oh, by the way, it's like an 11% open rate. And by the way, like most of their like traffic comes from SEO, from articles that were written years previously, or like how to change your TikTok profile that has nothing to do with what they're selling. And that's just because like the incentives are such, and they're lined up, whether it's CPM or some of the performance metrics, to basically reward rackets, in my view. 
I mean, I think. Yeah, that, but it does suggest to me that underneath of it all, you know, the cost to manufacture a deep connection to a important constituent is really high. It's just, it just is. Yeah. Like it. it but that's it, why, it, that's why I go back to like events. Like I did a ton of events and I have like a, a sort of love hate relationship with them because I have hosted many programmatic marketing uh, events. You would have a, a, very tortured view of events if you had done that yourself. Um, and people pay insane CPMs. Like at Digiday, like people would pay us $30,000 to get on stage and talk to like 150 hungover agency executives. And I always think to myself, why is that? What is the CPM on that? That's insane, right? And I think that there's an opportunity in media or in publishing, at least that's where I go, is like to take that model, right? The World Economic Forum is going on right now. They charged, they were charging Bill Browder $250,000 for a ticket. That is yeah. a great media business. I want mm -hmm. that business. Mm -hmm. I think the problem is like when, when you have a media business now, you're put into a pool with, uh, with a bunch of different media properties of different sizes. And so the data becomes really noisy and messy. And then you try to create a system like CPM to give people incentives, but then those incentives are distorted. You can't attribute anything to anything. Um, so everything at scale just becomes kind of, it loses value. And, and what you're seeing with events is that they feel, you know, unique and they feel hard to cheat on and you're there with people and you can, you know, they're, they're probably overvalued though, right? Events. Events? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. But the, the reason that they're overvalued is because like, take B2B. The reason that they're overvalued is because in B2B, Every single marketing person basically wor works for the sales team and the marketing people are just supposed to serve up leads, in-market leads to the uh, sales team. And the, with, let's say they do something with me. I'm telling them, like, I can't guarantee you that like someone is going to call you up or email you and say, oh, yeah, I want to demo your product. I'm like, how would I, I, I can make an introduction and like, but how would I know that? Like, I mean, it might not be right for them at the right time but I'm going to give you a shot. But if you yeah. don't like value that, that's really difficult. Whereas like an event, you offer like a free trip to all these executives, put them up at, a, at the Ritz Carlton and Half Moon Bay, and you guarantee that you're going to be delivering your advertiser that lead. I mean, that's a racket. That's a, isn't it's it? A, you know, it's like I find it, it's always windy at that hotel. The s'mores are like, uh, what are the s'mores going on? Like five years ago, the s'mores experience was like 45 bucks. It must be like 400. But it sounds like right. just the racket then is like incentives built on incentives built on incentives and everybody is like trying to cheat at them. So it kind of basically distorts everything. Great. The Ritz, Ritz Carlton Half Moon Bay s'mores experience is a total racket. <clears throat> I, uh, Should we? Uh... A Ritz Carlton. You know, I, I love that uh, this is going to be good, Brian, because I Alex go... has become the, <laughs> no, no, but Alex has become a kind of, his brand is purity on this podcast, right? Like he's the product purity and he, he, he last week he moralized a little bit. Yeah. And, and so I'm really looking forward to hearing his uh, winner of, uh, of 23. You know, both of you were very thematic and both of you, uh, were in media. So I'm thinking I could. I could have one that's more, you know, on the media path, but mine is very different to this and will take us down a path that is very different. So what hey. do you want to do? Do it. Is it about do it. Scientology? No, I mean, I, 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 it's not like, too it, personal. It's fine. 
Yeah. It's my mental health. No, um, it's I went down the purity route, uh, Troy, and I picked a company um, as as uh, being a winner in 2023. Um, and I kind of took what was going on in the world, I think, of technology and, and product and media and looked at which company was in, in the best position to win. And of course, like, you know, TikTok hold comes on, Hold on, pause, pause. pause. Should we guess? Guess? Bro, yes, Brian, yes. Do you have a guess of what it's going to be? Because I told him not to do Apple, so it's not Apple. No, I'm hoping it's Apple. Guess. Because then you could you storm off. So you, you're looking create at- create a moment. You look at this big rebooting. Moment. You're looking at the big changes in the world. Which company? Which company is best positioned? You think Microsoft? Hmm. Maybe it's uh, Microsoft. It they're gonna be... get. They're gonna get Activision. They're gonna. They've got. They've got ChatGPT. They're gonna put it into like Clippy's what's gonna your, come back. It's gonna be amazing. What's, what's your guess, Troy? He, well, you wouldn't be as shameless to promote Airbnb um, if you did, uh, and it wouldn't. And it wouldn't be some super niche like. Uh, you know, like a microphone company or some keyboard or some esoteric electronic item. Um, and it's probably got to be software and hardware together. It may be, it may be sort of like a health ring or some shit like that. No, that or would be, a no, no. Troy, uh, Brian got it correctly. It is Microsoft. See? Microsoft. Okay. Let me give you my thesis around Microsoft. Um, you, he picked Microsoft. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Here, here's why. Very strong. In, go. Very strong in middleware. Listen, listen to me. Listen to me. People. <laughs> so here's the thing. People. We we have the emergence of AI. Uh, on top of that, an immense amount of funding going to whatever the metaverse is, which to me is video games and your glasses. But, um, and a major media shakeup um, happening, and and a lot of you know regulation and everything getting mixed in. Here's where Microsoft sits. Microsoft is a very large tech company that people don't have a strong opinion about, which is great because they've kind of stayed in the background. They've built an incredible set of services that are all number two or number three in the world. The, a search service, a cloud service, a gaming service, but it all adds up to something that they have all the pieces ready to go. AI might shake the board enough to give them a way to get ahead on some of these things. So they just invested $10 billion into open AI, which is weird because that means they get 75% of the profits, but only 49% of the company. Um, but the I bet might bolster a business like Bing, which is already a $10 billion business. And unlike Google, they can fuck with Bing and nobody will care. If Google changes anything about Google search, you know, the stock might plummet. But Microsoft has enough room to, to mess with Bing. Um, and they just added the OpenAI service to Azure, their cloud system. So now people can plug in straight into to, to GPT-3 and um, and they will be able to uh, start building tools with chat mm -hmm. GPT soon. So they're set up. They're incredibly well positioned to make progress in the metaverse. I think the best company in the world for that. They own a bunch of IPs, including Minecraft, including Halo. And they're trying to acquire um, Activision Blizzard. They've got Azure, the cloud system. They've got uh, the Xbox. They've got Windows Gaming, which is huge. Um, and also, they're great at making partnerships. We saw it with Netflix. You know, yeah. Microsoft is serving ads on Netflix, right? They don't need to worry about, you know, building the media business. They can they can be both the plumbing and uh, the you know the the landlords. Um, and so and so maybe maybe Netflix... they'll make a maybe they'll make a phone this year. 
I don't think they're going to make a phone. I don't. Th- I think they've learned their lessons. Did you, not did even... you have a Zune? The Zune I was great. Everything. By the way, a, by the way, Microsoft has built many great products that didn't succeed. But um, wait, was that one of them? I think the Zune was a great product. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. For its time, Whoa. absolutely. I remember, um, like, Bill Gates was like mocked when, like, they asked him what he thought about the iPod. He's like, "A phone works fine," and everyone's like, ha, 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 and he's like, "Well, he was kind of right." Yeah, he was kind of right. But the, the problem with Microsoft is Microsoft doesn't like have a lens to focus all its thing down one direction, and so the Zoom kind of stood on its own while Apple could connect it to the Mac and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's some. I have for each of my winners and losers. I have also have caveats, right? Caveats and runners up. Brian, Alex really did Wait. some work on this, right? Uh, I know. I didn't expect him to come. With I, will, I will read through my caveats. He's never and... come prepared ever. Well, you this made... is amazing. Well, it's you... because Pro... people wrote it and praised Alex's no. portion of the podcast. I, so basically, what depression. happened is it, it, I asked Troy if he liked the new music that I updated for 2023. He says, who gives a shit? Just come prepared. I said, okay, I'll also come prepared. So here's, here's, here's my caveats. Is that right? shit? No, yeah, no, I, I didn't. Did. It kind of did. Sometimes yeah. you're mean and you don't realize it. Um, <laughs> so, can, can, I, you know, no, no, you know, you know what? I just think we, that you need that you maybe misframed it a little bit. I think I said, <laughs> I, I think I said the music's great. Please come prepared. That's true. You did. Okay. okay. So caveat regulation, right? The Activision deal, it's on like it's on shaky ground. The FTC is. Is is against the deal? You know what? I don't understand the FTC's focus on that because the number one and number two players in that space are both are Chinese and Japanese, so they're going after the only American uh, player. Um, I don't. I'm not taking the but FTC's. That's not the FTC. Say so that's not the FTC's job, though, right? To like block out like foreign companies. It's I mean, not it's that. It's not. It's but it is about. This is competition. the mo- This is the most right wing Alex ever has ever been. But here's the thing: it's about competition, but. Uh, Microsoft isn't dominant in, in, in that space and the two dominant players are actually not American, which makes, I think, the the regulation no, no. feel a little... Uh, Europe it did has feel a, a stretch. It was a kind of a weird thing for them to go after. Of all yeah, I, just, I also have to say, like, I've, you know, I've worked for Activision. I worked on the Call of Duty stuff, so I should probably it, mention that. Uh, mm. uh, doesn't taint my, my view of this, though. Um, of I think... I think it, it the Activision deal would give them like things like everybody talks about Call of Duty, but the big one is also all the King stuff, like the mobile, right? They become a huge player in mobile, and then they have something in every bucket, right? Um, and that's the first caveat. The second caveat is Apple, or maybe even Meta, or, although I don't think Meta is anywhere close to doing it. Like, drops some sort of headset and platforms that like sparks the imagination of the world, and all of a sudden the metaverse like you know, leapfrogs into something else. Now, Apple's going to release a $3,000 headset that is more, you know, probably a, more of a business tool. So I don't think that's going to happen. But um, I think Microsoft's strategy to to build the platforms, build the piping, own the IP for the metaverse and gaming and, and all that comes with that is way more, like a way better strategy than burning a bunch of money trying to make a headset because all that technology is going to become pretty commonplace in the next 10 years okay so this is it this is mine totally i like take it a turn no well, i guess yeah, no. i think you did a great job i still don't like their zoom product though i hate that <clears> thing what is it mean, called where uh, oh, shit what is the microsoft it's the one that teams nobody teams. likes teams, teams. 
The only they, people they, who use Teams are incredibly bureaucratic or European. This is Teams is the worst of Microsoft because it's also they spent the entire pandemic completely <laughs> completely ignoring Skype, which which was like the dominant player for the longest time, yeah, right? I forgot about Skype. Um, and and instead they built Teams and as many things that Microsoft uh, it's shit. I mean, let's face no, it. No, but Alex, but, the thing you're you forgetting know. about Teams is it's a classic example of a throw-in product that Microsoft provides to destroy competition and leverage their dominant position in offices because they own the office bundle. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, anyway. And, and anyway, when Microsoft... I'm really, Alex, I just want you to know I'm really, really impressed. I think you showed great range on that and also were very open-minded about a company that you used to hate. Quite true. And why, and uh, why did you hate Microsoft? Just general Microsoft dislike? I mean, I think if you're an interface designer, you gotta hate Microsoft. You know, oh, okay. I, you know the, the 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 crimes that Windows has been committing yeah, since since the first version of Windows are many. It's um, and the amount of wasted human potential that comes from using a Windows computer, they should probably be shut down for it. But you know, I think they work. <laughs> They probably have a war crimes tribunal, but other than that, they're the winner. Yeah. So the the, the thing about <laughs> Microsoft is like when it's got something succeeding, they often screw it up. But when they're like fighting for something, they can build really interesting product. I think Xbox is an interesting product. Game Pass is an interesting product. I think it's really interesting just that Microsoft, I mean, for a massive, massive company, has sort of been out of the limelight, I guess, a little bit, like in, in the quote unquote discourse when it comes to like the Silicon Valley types, like, um, or the it's tech a superpower. Industry. It's a superpower. Nobody, but because, because a lot of it is boring, right? Yeah. I mean, Microsoft is boring. And I think what's interesting to me is that it's a great winner for tech going into a boring phase. Like a lot of the advances in tech are going to be baking AI into like existing products and stuff. And maybe it won't be, but. Um, tech to me, like the whole industry is going into like a, a phase where they're dividend companies and they're boring. Yeah, they're going to be dealing with, know, with what, regulation. What else, what, what else will go down in the books is the ability of a CEO to activate business leaders and executives across that organization mm. to liven up a company that was really mismanaged, and so he's going to get sort of CEO of the decade award. So, yeah. and he's boring. See, there's a theme. See, Microsoft is a boring company that actually makes exciting things. Twitter is an exciting company that makes boring things. That's oh, the there you I go. We got a uh, theme here go. already. Let's get into losers because they're the more fun. I, I mean, yeah. I love the. Do we can keep going on on Microsoft? Do do we? No, no. I was going to ask: Is do we have time for for losers? Um, or oh, uh, we gotta we gotta bang out the losers. Everybody wants the losers. All right, we could keep All it right. for a Let's second. Let's do a lightning time. round of losers. All right. Troy, no Fidel Castro. Uh, Do the. I'm making up the loser. To me, losers are got to be advertising. You know what? I, I just think advertising is in such a sorry state right now. It really is. And I could start my tirade with floating video players or fake native advertising or all the bullshit that's masquerading. It's something that's useful to you on the internet. And then I would move more recently into what I would call we could, it's not performance, just don't confuse this. It's performative advertising or checklist advertising where we are forced as an agency to include every kind of denomination, ethnicity, sexual orientation in every single ad 
such that we forget that we're here to engage, enlighten, persuade, uh, and entertain the audience. And advertising on television is brutal. It's terrible. Advertising on the internet only goes down. And my favorite thing about advertising, I can only say right now, is the fucking affiliate link. Wow. Yeah. That was your like David Sachs moment. Right, but in his case, he's correct. I like this take, Troy. I think you and I started back in the day where we were trying to innovate on advertising. Sometimes I look at stuff and I say, yeah, this is kind of the logical conclusion of where we started. And it feels, and today advertising feels like junk. It feels like I just feel it's wasted youth, Alex. I'm sorry that I brought you into that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, yesterday in my therapy session, I went to, I talked about resentment for a long time, and and we learned of how to let go of that. So, I see you in a different light today. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm glad, I'm glad. but it could, be, it could be advertising. It could be good. Well, my mine is the same. Is well, it's it's sort of I previewed it. It's Google. Like I think Google's in for a tough year. Like it's had like a great run, mm-hmm. and I think it's coasted a little bit. Um, and. They had such a tremendous benefit of having a, a cash printing machine in the back that was unrivaled for so long. And I don't think they really utilized that opportunity. And now with so many governments after Google that they're going to be tied up in that for a long time. They're going to there. There's going to be attempts to like break up its stranglehold on whatever is left of digital advertising industry. It's still a massive industry, and now Microsoft could very well be like a real, true rival. I mean, I think like search is actually going to become an interesting space. If you look at what Neva is doing, it's interesting. It's interesting and like brave and like they were both in. Um, I, I watched a a session they were on it at a, when I was in Munich at DLD and. They have a differentiated proposition, you know, and they can they can actually chip away. And then when you look at Microsoft, and Microsoft's been playing the long game with with search. I had to give them credit. I, I remember going back to MSN search and then live search. They couldn't under they couldn't decide what to brand the thing. They changed the name like 50 times, and then ended up on Bing and everyone made fun of Bing. And meanwhile, it's like $10 billion business. But now Well, it's only just just so just to be clear, it's only a $10 billion business because it powers all the Microsoft front ends that touch consumers, including MSN and any other surface that they have. Yeah. But like at the same time, like that is a a nice place to start from. And they didn't give up on it, you know? All right. Can we stop? Can we cool it with the Microsoft adoration? Is that the right word? Well, <clears throat> nobody nobody worships. You said that you would stop the podcast if it was Apple. So I love the, that Alex like went totally opposite direction. He's sort of he's playing chess over there. I mean, I wasn't going to pick Apple anyway. Uh, you know, Brian tagged me in because my loser in 2023 is Google. See, we're here we go. So so he's... this is a good dynamic where we t- team up against Troy. Yeah, and I'll, I'll no, I'll, no, I'll, no. I'll, I'll bring, I'll bring it. This is not what's happening, Troy. So, so it is so absolutely it what's be. happening. It might it be is. what's happening, Alex. Don't tell him it's not happening. He's got to think it might be. Okay. Yeah. Just, just live with the consequences. Let me finish. Since, since uh, I also you guys Google. have, a, you guys have attempted to sort of push me into the right wing corner. You don't <laughs> like it. You don't like it when I talk 
you know, when I talk straight, talk truth, you mm. think that I, I'm a power booster, as you yeah. said, Brian. Yeah. And, but do you know um, why I'm doing that? You know, like with subscriptions, there's like the decoy offer. It's like you the just can two you can't years keep up for, with my verbal my verbal calisthenics. It's the two years for seven hundred and ninety five dollars, and you do that because it makes the the offer that you want people to go for seem more reasonable, and that's the way. So I need to push you into being unreasonable to make myself look more reasonable. But if we're honest, also. Uh... Troy was the one um, raising small media companies as winners, and we're talking about Google and Microsoft here. So mm. I think you see, Brian, I, that's I what there's... therapy does to you. Yeah, but yeah. that's just substance. People don't pay attention to that. <laughs> so let me let me let me, <laughs> let me let me let me tag in on your Google thing. So search competition is real. One thing I've been thinking about: wait until Apple feels pressured to switch from Google as its primary search engine because it's kind of one of the weakest part of the of the experience, right? And the second, you know, people start getting used to these AI responses, don't I want Siri to start behaving like that? Don't I want like the the spotlight search on the iPhone to start behaving like that? And so that could be a huge game changer there. Second thing is a lot of AI startups are pulling the talent away that was remaining at Google. And the way Google would retain some of that talent was by building these kind of side projects. Here, we'll put balloons and make a oh, submarine that can cross the ocean unattended and stuff like that. All of these projects are getting killed at they Google. They did that? That's cool. I would love I, that. I mean, I probably made that up. I don't know. All of these projects are getting killed at Google, and that's, that's, it's going to force a lot of their smartest minds to think like, hey, there's a way of building something that's not dying. Google has one and a half pro- one and Have Google you been has- to their office lately? Do they still make a mean curry down down on the peninsula? I haven't been in, no, I haven't been in any offices. I know that they're trying to get people back to their offices, yeah. and that's also a lot of pressure. Um, Crab legs. I, I think... I think uh, people internally and externally don't trust that they can take time to enter new categories. They did the Stadia game thing. You know, a game studio, Microsoft had been at it for 20 years. Like, it took them a year to f- figure out that it wasn't worth it and they shut it down. Like, I don't think there's faith in the company that Google sticks in it for the long term. And then, I was just you know, about to get the Google phone. Should I still get it? Oh, they're great phones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Android is still fine. I think one caveat to Google is that YouTube might become a, an even bigger winner for them. YouTube's you know, Google's most exciting product. And if TikTok gets in trouble, YouTube wins a lot of that attention. YouTube Shorts is a good product. If you could feed a lot of the TikTok attention into YouTube Shorts, then YouTube could become huge. But yeah, Troy, what do you think about Google being a loser? <laughs> well, I think I'm extremely proud to be part of this thoughtful analysis. I, you know what, I, my reaction is, it's probably everything you're saying is true. The thing is that, you know, first of all, Google makes way better products than Microsoft. And so, you know, I get sad when you talk like that. Used to, and, uh, used to. Well, I don't know. I like Google Docs a lot. I still like Gmail. You know, Android's kind of a good product. I have those Google screens in my house. I kind of like them. But I agree with you guys. I think I think what you're saying is true. But, you know, much of what Microsoft has done, and I've tried, and I've tried like from, you know, the way news is aggregated at MSN to the quality of PowerPoint, which is a disgrace of a piece of software, to I think their greatest product of all time is Excel. Uh, I don't know. I just, you know, I've never really felt loved. I haven't felt loved for their products the same I have for um, many things in my life, including Apple and Google. So 
I guess it hurts me what you're saying, but I agree with your logic. Uh, I, I think Apple is very... also, also, I think Apple is getting into the racket game in a very big way. Very I mean, much. they've always sort of been in the racket game with the plugs and stuff like that. But, but didn't like... it happen with Apple? Uh, two, two things, just to wrap up uh, Troy's point about Google. Yeah. Google hasn't built anything good in a long time, Troy. I think you're remembering Google of the past. You know, I used to have that same love and optimism for Google, but they've built like search. They built a decent email system to copy, you know, what was that? Chrome there. is better than Chrome is better than Safari. I, I switched over to Safari. I don't even notice the difference. Safari is great. And my tabs are kept between my phone and my desktop. I don't think they have any, that huge competitive advantage is gone because they keep, I think the problem with Google is every time they have a meeting about a new product and how it's going, they look at search and they go, it's 8.8% of what search is doing for twice the effort. Why are we doing this? And they kill it. They keep doing that. And they're going to keep doing that because they built a machine that prints money and everybody wants to pay attention to that. I think it's sad. I think, uh, Brian, you were going to say something about Apple. Oh, no, well, that, that was a little bit of an aside, probably. I mean, because like Apple, it was it was from a meeting I had like earlier today. Um, and it was sort of brought home to because like what Apple is doing to the digital advertising industry is remarkable. Like, and if Google did this or Microsoft did this or God forbid Facebook did this, there would be like protests out in the streets. Um, but I think what we've what we've mentioned here, true about Apple, I think the second they moved into the service business, they got worse. But I think the issue here is that it's happening to advertising and everybody hates advertising, guys. Yeah, no, no, no. I know everybody that there's, there's not a lot of people who are going to stand up for the third-party cookie. And that's what I'm here for. Yeah. Because like, fine, the third-party cookie had its flaws and stuff like this. But what Microsoft, or what Microsoft, what Apple is doing right now to wrest control of the digital advertising industry is remarkable. And it's remarkably cynical by saying that they're another ad deal I'm not getting. That they're um that it's they're doing it for user privacy. It's total bullshit. Like you can't everyone in the digital advertising industry that I talk to, particularly the ad tech, like everyone's talking about these identifiers. It's just freaking email. Like email is the identifier. It's some version of a hashed email. And what does Apple do when you go to try to like, as an let's say as a publisher, get someone's email, they try to disguise it. Okay, mm -hmm. they just they offer you the thing in the name of privacy. They are not doing that on behalf of consumers. They're not doing that. They're doing that to keep control themselves, and they're going to rent out that control because, like everyone, it's they're going to open up a toll booth for all of digital advertising. It's for sure they will. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it started going going that direction the second they moved into services, and it services became an, a big part of their business, right? And that's um, that's going to be interesting to watch. Shall we go? Shall we relist our winners and losers, like recap them, and then go into good okay. products? All right, let's recap the winners and losers. Winner number one, Troy. How are you framing this? This it's it's more real media, real as the streets media, real media. Real media is winner number one. We have another winner, which is clearly Microsoft. Like it or not, Microsoft's a winner. We kind of agreed on that one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one was, was I guess, the backup choice one is A-Talent. If you're going to make media products that are sustainable and can thrive in this weird, uncertain environment, you're going to need the top talent and not filler. 
And then we've got losers. We have everything from Google. Yeah, advertising for Troy, and then you and I have Google. Yeah, which is also advertising. <laughs> and Apple's yeah. a loser for trying to like kneecap Apple, advertising just, and just not being straightforward that they're doing that. Let's just put it this way: Apple, Apple is acting like a loser right now. Come I like on, my Apple. mafiosos to be like, you know, straightforward with what they're doing. I mean, it I is. It that is. was good, you guys. I think it turned out better than I thought it would. I don't know if we offered our listeners a service today, but I think it, it was, uh, it was decent. You can't Way win. To go. You can't just win every prep. single week. That's just the reality. Yeah. yeah. Well, are we going to do, are we going to do good product this week? Wait, let's do a good product. What do you have, Troy? What's cooking? Well, I thought about this. I think that my good product this week is related to uh, headphones. And I've recently, I guess in the last six months, really started enjoying over-the-year headphones. It, I feel like it puts me into my own little private cocoon. So I've been trying to find ones that I like. And a friend of mine sent me these Apple Chansey headphones. Oh. Which is a nice gift, right? That's so, a wonderful gift. And And I can't tell you that this is a good product because it's kind of a piece of shit and I'll explain why. But there is something that is the good product of the week and it's, I was going to say the knob, but that sounds bad. It's the knob or the button. I'm looking for the technical term. Alex, it's the thing that isn't software that you can manipulate in the case of yeah, the, the Apple dial, headphones. Yeah. It, yeah. It's called the digital, it's called the crown, I think. Crown, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I really like that I can twist this and listen and bring the volume up and down. And I, and I want to tell you what the alternative is in one second. But before I do that, these headphones are brutal. And I'll tell you why. The mic doesn't work. You cannot have a conference call with these headphones on and use the mic on the headphones. It does not work. Apple, you need to fix this. It's a big problem. The headphones are... Yeah, they can't, people can't hear you. It's, yes. it's just like, it, it's a big problem. Wow. See, if Microsoft, okay. if Microsoft made those, they would have the arm that comes around like you're like a telemarketer. Because they don't give a shit. <laughs> They're not trying to be cool. Yeah. They're boring. I also think that this big flat surface is a little unsightly. But anyway, so in contrast, we have the Sony headphones that I have on here. Mm -hmm. And they are much lighter. The mic works much better. I think they're much more comfortable and the sound quality is comparable. What's wrong with these headphones is Sony has never made decent software in their entire existence. That's right. So they make you download their headphone app on the phone and it, it's an affront to all software makers. And not only that, like getting this to connect with Bluetooth and the way the buttons work and you tap this thing, it's just like goofy. So the best product of the week is the knob or the button and the crown. The crown. And I'll just leave it at that. If you guys want to pile on, go ahead. I like it. It's a it's a winners and losers in a good product. So I like yeah. it a lot. I, I, I don't understand. It, it must be much cheaper or there must be some sort of market research that shows that touch that pads are the way to go. Those Sony headphones, I had to turn that feature off because like I kept changing the volume or because you know I was brushing my hand against my ear or something like that. And it feels nearly novel to turn a knob, you know? And I want those back as well. All right, we're gonna leave it there. Thank you guys. I thought it was good. I thought that this, this worked out well, the winners and losers. We'll Great. go we'll go back to the uh, regular format next week. Uh, thank you all for listening and do send feedback. I know all three of us get it, but it's it's been nice to hear positive and you know nice critiques. And so send in your feedback. Uh, my email is bmarcy at therebooting.com. And rate and review us. Oh yeah, rate and review us. That's apparently how people find the podcast. 